everyone welcome to know your gear qa live number 140 the first one of 2020 so i uh, hope everybody had a great happy new year i had a great happy new year you guys notice i wasn't here last week it's because i was stuck <laughs> who knew it was going to snow uh, so where I was, uh, it was there was a snowstorm that hit the night I was supposed to come back, which was Thursday night, so I could be here Friday, and uh, I had to stay an extra day because we were a little concerned it would be dangerous during the snow. Um, so we waited a day and came back the next day. So I was I was stuck. <laughs> that happens apparently. Um, it, I say that because I'm not used to worrying about weather in that way you know what i mean you don't have to stop driving because it's too hot so uh that was fun so i hope you guys uh, all had a good holiday as well but didn't have to deal with something like that and uh but we're back this week and just in time because the nam show is coming up in like two weeks right it's the third it's like on the 14th or something like that no i think it's on the 16th either way coming up soon i'm sure you guys want to talk about some of that stuff at least i i would like to talk about some of that stuff um, let me hit some questions. I see a super chat already in there. So we'll start with, uh, here it is. I'll start with the super chat since Zach did it already. Here it is. Let me show it to you guys. Zach said, how long does new guitar joy last you? You know, what's funny about that is I, you know, when they get these questions, I don't get time to ponder, you know, and, and like, you know, search my soul. A lot of stuff I have to shoot from the hip. And, um, so I'm just going to do that now. <laughs> um, uh, you know, my experience is the joy can last a second. Uh, literally the it's cause you open it up and you get the guitar and you're like, uh. <laughs> and the joy is, you know, literally gone in a second. And sometimes the joy lasts forever. I was playing yesterday, my copper strat, a, a guitar that I've had, I don't know, uh, 10 years. It, you know, I have to look on the, when it was built, but I've had it for 10 years. And, um, cause I got it, I think I got it in 2008. So 2008, 2009 ish. So I've had this guitar 10 years and I still love it. I love everything about it. It just, it's a cool guitar. So, um, joy can last forever. I think, uh, I think what I've experienced is that a guitar, the joy you get from a guitar is two things. One, if it's a really good guitar it can last forever, but even in that, like any situation, you fall out of love or the joy kind of dials down and then it peaks back up again. That's why sometimes I rotate out a guitar for a while and I'll play one for a while and then pick up one, one of the other ones and go, Oh yeah, this is uh this is why I like this guitar. So it could last. I'm curious what you guys think about that. Uh, let me know. I'm always curious how long that does. I think the core of that question comes down to the buying experience. Sometimes like, you know, buying guitars, is it just a, a never ending? Like you're going to have to buy, you know, to be happy with guitars. And, it, I'm sure that varies for every player. I, I have learned that trying a guitar is just, I, I mean, no joke. I can go and just try a guitar and be just as happy if I bought it. Um, in fact, sometimes buying it is, is become more of a, what happens now because of the internet, you have to buy guitars a lot of times to try them. But uh, I used to go in music stores uh, and just try instruments for hours. Uh, I did that all the time. I still do that. If I, everywhere I travel, think of this. I literally go places where I hang out with, uh, guitar players. I, I go to the NAM show. Um, I might as well tell you the story. It's a funny story. It's like three years ago, maybe four years ago on the NAM show. Um, it, and, uh, I went to this <laughs> winter NAM show and, um, what's funny was we left the NAM show and uh, it was we went to get so, something to eat. And I think we went to Chili's or somewhere like that. Some just place that was fast. But we want to get away from the show because, you know, there's a lot of people there. So we go to this restaurant and 
while we're eating, I, I saw on the corner of my eye or saw out the window, there was a guitar center. I saw the guitar center marquee on the street. And, uh, you know, it's like eight o'clock at night now. The, the guitar center is closing at nine. So I said, let's go to the guitar center. So we go and um, <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling you guys this story. So we go after we eat. There's like four of us. Ralph was with us. We go to the guitar center. We're checking out guitars and my phone rings and it's my wife. And I pick up the phone and I answer. And of course, it's it's loud in the guitar center. And she goes, are you at a strip club? And I'm like, no, I'm at the guitar center. And then I go, can't you tell? And then she's like, she listens and she's like, yeah, she could, you know, tell because it's, you know, it's not music, music playing, it's guitar playing and stuff. And then she goes, let me get this straight. You just spent the entire day at the NAMM show and now you went to a guitar center? She goes, I'd have more respect for you if you went to a topless bar. And uh, she... <laughs> So I guess my point is, is that I, I find that trying guitars, playing guitars, gear, pedals, checking out, checking out the stuff to me is just as cool as, as, uh, as, as getting to own it. And I think that's when I had the store. That's what the joy came from was I get to try gear all the time and I didn't have to buy it. And also on the YouTube channel, that's how it works too. That's what's made the channel so successful is I have a desire, uh, to do this, um, I could honestly say, and anyone who's ever met me more than probably 10 minutes will probably back this up. If I didn't do this on YouTube, I, was, I would do this anyways. This is what I would be doing is checking out gear every week. So I just wouldn't be. Did Dovidas to super chat me? <laughs> All right. Let's, let, that's that's got to take a second to distract me. Hold on a second. Um, if you, Dovidas, if you guys don't know, he has a great channel. Uh, we've talked about him before on this channel. Dovi Das, for some reason, super chatted me. Uh, thank you, Dovi Das. That's like, you just moved YouTube money from your YouTube account to my YouTube account. So <laughs> anyways, uh, all right. Um, he says, Happy New Year, buddy. Would you sharpen my axe? One of my Schecters could use some expert attention. Love the videos. Um, you know, uh, that is what is in discussion now uh, about uh, this year's uh, Sharp My Axe. I was, uh, I, so yeah, I like the idea. And I was thinking about this because um, this would be a cool idea to do some YouTuber ones like we've done in the past and then alternate them. Um, kind of like I'm do I do the super chats and then I do non super chat questions on this and trying to balance it. I would love to do this sharp max as a balance this year, um, to do a viewer's guitar, then maybe a public YouTuber's guitar. Cause it's really cool. I think what I've noticed in the views wise is if I interact with another channel to be able to see how it ended up. Um, but yeah, I'd be up for that. Uh, let me guys know if you guys think that'd be cool. I definitely think that would be cool for sure. Um, but again, I don't want to like become a channel where we only interact with other channels. So you understand it's not that I, 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 am going to do it for sure, but, uh, I want to make sure we do some other gear too. Um, believe it or not, I got some cool stuff. I'm looking down at parts and stuff and I got, um, some stuff to do some sharp my ax, uh, uh, stuff type videos for, uh, for viewers. In fact, I just did a viewer's guitar, uh, yesterday. In fact, some of you guys, I leaked some of that. So on Instagram, so yeah, Dovi Das, I'll be up for it. I'll, I will message you and we'll talk. Um, and you thank you for the super chat. Okay, so let's do a non-super chat. I'm scrolling around. Again, if you guys have a question, start the question with a question mark. It helps me highlight when you guys are talking to each other versus when you want to ask me something. Um, let's see. The... <laughs> <laughs> I knew saying Tabas Bar would get you guys talking so funny. You guys have a lot of comments now. Um, 
so they uh how about us a topless guitar center this can immediately go the wrong way on this video i will tell you this um uh just to give you a reference you know because I, I we talked about this i was in the army and uh and uh, you'd be remiss if you didn't mention in the army or in the military you have been in one of those establishments what i will say is uh time goes by in a very quick way and sometimes you don't realize how how fast time goes by right as you get older and uh what happened was i realized this is about a year ago that i've i haven't been to that type of establishment since the modernization of cell phones i didn't <laughs> so that dates it i didn't you know anyways all right i uh, i don't know why i'm sharing that i just thought it was funny because i remember like i was talking to somebody one of my buddies and he was talking about it turning his phone off or something and i'm like why would you do oh yeah phones so all right let's find a question though I know I got the super chats, guys. I'm just uh, just pinning you real quick so I can find. Here's one, Michael. Here you go. Here we go. We'll tackle this one. It says, hey, Phil, love the channel. Which pickups for a Maple Neck Squire Strat? Tex-Mex, mid-90s American Standards, or Texas Specials? Uh, thanks, Phil. Those are good, good questions. I always liked the Tex-Mex pickups. I always thought they were great, but I'm more of a Texas Special kind of uh, uh, player. Now, I've talked about this many times that I like the 60s era pickups, which are, to me, a little... Uh, higher output, a little warmer sounding. Texas Specials uh, have a higher output bridge pickup, which I always dig. I always like a little bit of push on the, the bridge. The thing about single coils, though, and this is why it's tough. If you guys notice, every time I get asked these single coil questions, I get a little nervous. It's because what I've noticed is, you know, humbuckers, I think I think there's more consistency in the idea that if I say, hey, put this humbucker in a guitar, I think uh, you can speculate the sound that you're going to get more accurately single coils i've learned that just some reason when you put them in certain guitars especially strats they just get really bright or they get really warm and there's a lot of stuff going on with the controls and the and the guitar itself um but if it was me i'd put the texas specials in there good pickups don't forget to uh somebody just posted on the uh, facebook the other day uh because i mentioned this and they said it worked out uh and i appreciate you guys saying that that i always comment that you can always got get used pickups don't be afraid to get used pickups a pickup used to, it's funny to me i've said this a million times you can't even tell 90 percent of the time when a pickup's used because they look almost new and either way when you put them in the guitar you're going to scratch them with your pick in a second but more importantly, if you guys watch any of the videos with a multimeter, you can test a pickup very quickly to see if it works before you even buy it. So, and uh, if you're that concerned, obviously, if you're buying online on Reverb and eBay, even used, you're going to have some kind of protection on that. So you get the used pickup, you put it on your multimeter to make sure that it's working and uh, and, you, and you just install used pickups. So don't be afraid to buy those pickups used. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, look out there. You know, so many, what's great about Texas specials is so many players yank Texas specials out of their like highway, not highway ones, the, uh, the American specials and all those kind of guitars and put other stuff in there, you know, scoop up their, uh, their used pickups, get those deals. You know what I mean? Uh, there's no reason because everybody takes a hit when you get a used pickup, man. Uh, pickups are, and I think I've said this before, my wife, that's her, that's her thing. Like, uh, you know, somebody asked me a long time ago, like episode in the first thirties of these, somebody asked how my wife feels about my gear fanaticism. <laughs> and I said, the, the thing she doesn't like is when I fix up guitars, when I dump lots of money in guitars, cause she knows you can't get a lot of that money back. And, um, and, uh, she mostly, when I said that I, sh I should have really hammered this home. It was really about pickups. Cause I've bought so many pickups, especially new she's noticed like a hundred bucks new, 
50 bucks used, you know, or, or 30 bucks used or so. Yeah. Don't be, don't be afraid. Check out those used pickups and find those deals. So, um, and don't, and don't forget to check out small builders too. I'm finding a lot of small builders with good, good, good deals. So, and I'm sure a lot of you guys are going to have some suggestions for that. Here's another super chat. I'm going to do it randomly guys. So, uh, this, uh, super chat is from DDG 8795. I think he's a star Wars character in the new, uh, <laughs> Mandalorian series. Anyways, uh, Washburn custom shop quality versus Gibson or PRS. Um, well, the Wasburn Custom Shop is gone. As far as I know, they only do the Nuno guitar and I think the uh, Michael Sweet guitar, right? But uh, old Wasburn Custom Shops, uh, everyone I've owned or played has been fantastic. I would put them in the same range as that. Um, I have a Nuno. It's right behind me, right there, that green one right there. That's a Nuno uh, Custom Shop back in the day from Washburn. Um, so to to answer the question, uh, versus Gibson and PRS, I, I mean it's you know just as good. Like I don't look, I've never played a Washburn Custom Shop and went. Ugh. Uh, let me put it this way: nothing on there has ever concerned me more so than any of the other two parties. So I'd say they're on par, and I bet you're going to get a better deal, that's for sure. Because um, I almost bought a Washburn American guitar over the week uh, of Christmas because I think I came across one on reverb and it was uh, a really nice one. I think it was like 800 bucks made in the USA all decked out. Good luck finding an American made uh, high end Gibson or PRS for uh, 800 bucks. Those are a little hard. So uh, let's do a non super chat again. If you guys question mark first, I'll do want beetle. Hey, want beetle says, so how did I like the episode? Oh, the new star Wars. Is that nine? Yeah. Episode nine. I got to learn to read Roman numerals again. Uh, and I got my first, oh, I got, and I got my first customer of the year a few minutes ago. He dropped off a special edition P base in blue. Very nice base. The action was higher than, uh, than Cheech and Chong. <laughs> there's, there's a reference. <laughs> so, um, um, I like the new episode. I don't want to get too into, you know, Star Wars because it's a gear channel, but obviously it was the big thing. It's the finale. Um, I, I went and saw it with my kids. And my wife, and at this point in my life, like I said, I'm not a, uh, I'm as, I'm as big as Star Wars fan as everybody who watches Star Wars. I played with it when I was a kid. Star Wars is cool. Um, I don't, I'm not emotionally connected in the way I know a lot of people weren't unhappy with the movie, but I'm not emotionally connected to watch it and go, oh, this is ridiculous. I literally just went and watched it and, and it was entertained. You know what I mean? I, I, I watched it all the way to the end. I liked it. It was fine. I couldn't say it was great, but I haven't, you know, I haven't thought any of them have been that great. They've been just pretty good. So I don't have a high expectations for movies. A lot of times movies, um, I think get our ex like to me, music is more, is more of a thing that I get like excited in the idea that I need it to be epic. I always want an epic album, an epic song. When I hear a new, when I have a band that I like release a new song, I'm always a little nervous at first. Like, I hope it's good because I love them so much. I want to continue to love them and I want their music to be good. Movies are kind of like, if I got through it, it's cool. There's very few movies I want to watch twice. So, um, and I do watch a lot of movies. I'm as bad as everybody else, but, um, it was good, but thank you for asking. Okay. Uh, I'm going to jump to this one. Uh, this is Greg Keen. He says, Nam thoughts. I'm hoping for many more hybrid and new devices like Strymon, Iridium, uh, the Blue, the Rev D20, uh, even the HX Stomp and the Kemper. What are you expecting? Well, I saw Rev announce the G20, which is the same amp in my understanding, but it has gain channels built in. I thought the idea was cool. Um, 
the uh, I saw um, Ola's video of it. It was very cool. Uh, it seemed like a smart move, you know what I mean, to make the amp more versatile than it was before. I don't know what kind of upcharge the amp's going to have um, or if the D20 is discontinued, which I don't think so. I think they're going to run both amps simultaneously. Uh, I love seeing that. I love seeing them take a product and then improve it the next year. I think that's pretty cool. Um, the Blue stuff, obviously, he just came out with the Mercury Edition, which is the higher gain one. I really wish I had the Mercury Edition. Um, the uh, I have the... Um, huh. I, I don't know what I have. Somebody took it. Oh, okay. I have it right there. It's the, I have no idea what edition it is. It's the second edition, but it's not the higher gain one. Um, and uh, even though I'm not a high gain guy all the time, I like the high gain, uh, the blue gamp. So I'm excited. I saw uh, uh, Ibanez release some mini pedals. Um, they released the new guitars. There's a lot of stuff that I think is going to be ex cool. I've been looking at some of the, uh, early NAM releases, but believe it or not, I've actually, this is the first year I've ever done this. My usually goal my whole life has been to figure out and find out whatever's coming out before the NAM show comes out. It's like, it's like literally it's like my, it's like all I think about is how can I find out as soon as possible this year? I'm actually trying to go into the NAM uh, like a person who goes into a movie without watching the trailer. I don't want to know anything because I'm doing a, a, something different this year, something I've never done before. I'm not going to tell you guys what it is. I'm not going to lie to you and say it's very exciting. It's I don't think it's going to be very exciting, but let's just say you guys will figure out what I'm up to the first day very quickly. Um, and I want to go in and, and have some reactions to stuff without going, oh, yeah, yeah, I saw you guys already announced that. And like, oh, I already saw a sneak peek on the internet. I want to literally go and react to some of the product and check it out. Um, I'm curious to see. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited about this stuff. Okay. Um, and again, if you super chat, please don't, don't worry. I have them all pinned. The, um, let's do a non super chat. And again, question mark for first, uh, Dave just asked me a question. He says, Dave, have you ever tried the Cozart guitar? I have not, but I wanted to, uh, answer your question because, I will index it and put a link to the website, and then that way I can check it out later too. I'm always curious about that stuff. Uh, like I said, every day of my life, I've learned a new guitar, new pedal <laughs> brand. I think amps not so much, but but definitely pedals and guitars. I think you could you could learn a new amp and pedal every day. Um, so. Okay, uh, here's a question from Michael. Michael says, hey, Dr. Z, Maz, reverb versus no reverb. Why do some players want reverb? Oh, why do some players want no reverb? Um, well, some people people don't like reverb. Obviously, Gearman Dude's a YouTube channel. He doesn't like reverb. There is some people who don't like reverb. Although, that is not my experience to why players don't want amps with our... Sorry, let's back up. That is not my experience why players want amps with no reverb. Usually, there is a secondary reason why you don't want reverb in an amp. Um, a lot of times, especially if you talk to amp builders, inserting reverb into the amp uh, changes the way the amp is going to sound. Um, I've had this experience many times over where I used to tell every amp builder until I realized what was going on. I'd be like, hey, that's a great amp. You need to put reverb in it. That's a great amp. You should put reverb in it. Um, and I was always like, why don't you understand people want reverb? And finally, I would talk to these amp builders and I would learn that um, just like effects loops, effects loops and reverb have something in common, which is in sticking them in amps really does change the way the amp sounds and works. And um, and I have experienced this only in the 
most boutique of amps. In other words, where I've played really nice high-end amps that are hand-wired and all the things that they're supposed to be. And you go, wow, that sounds really good. And then you try one of the versions with reverb and you go, yeah, for some reason, right. The reverb is nice, but there's just something about the amp that's sonically different. So there's probably a lot of technical reasons why they don't do the reverb. You know what I mean? What I'm explaining to you, but I'm just going to give it to you the easy way, which is a lot of players really want the amp to be the amp and not put reverb in it. Me, I'm going to shove reverb in it anyway. So, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's just bad. I like, I just got the new dirty Shirley. Uh, uh, I saw somebody ask me what did I get for uh, Christmas holidays. I got a dirty Shirley. Um, I mentioned on the channel on the live show, um, this is where sometimes being a YouTuber is good and bad, so, right? There's always goods and bads to this gig. Um, I mentioned on the show that I was thinking about getting the dirty Shirley and getting rid of my PT 20 and, uh, lo and behold, uh, Robert, uh, one of the owners of Friedman amps was watching or listening to the show. And he messaged me and said, Hey, you want to do Shirley? You know, I'm, I'm the, I'm one of the owners. I can give you a deal. And, uh, at that point I was like, well, I already, I guess I said I was going to do it. So yeah, let's do it. And, uh, so, um, I bought one. So, and he was nice enough to give me a deal, which was really cool of him. Uh, of course, you know, he knows I'm going to review it. So he's going to get something out of it and I'm going to get something out of it. Cause I, I didn't, didn't have to pay the full price. And, uh, I don't want to really spoil what I think of it. Um, so I don't know, maybe if you guys, I don't know. I hope you guys are okay with that. I don't want to talk about it until the review, the review is going to be very quickly. Um, I, I would love to already have it reviewed, but I'm, as you guys see, there's some videos about the release that I got to get finished first. So, uh, London wants to know, London Rocker wants to know, am I going to NAM? I will be at NAM. I will be there before NAM. I will be there after NAM. <laughs> this will be the longest NAM I've ever been to. Uh, I'll be there like two days before. And I think I'm staying to the last day and leaving on the Monday uh, to something to that degree. Um, I don't know if I will physically be at the NAM show every single day, though. I think I might run and do other stuff. So, but. It's one of those situations where I have to be there Saturday and I have to be there Wednesday. So <laughs> I'm just there all week. There you go. Um, okay. What else? Um, here's a question for, from uh, Roman. Roman wants to know, uh, would you design a guitar with your viewers in reference to what? To like, you know, we're, well, I don't, I guess the question would be, like, would I design one and then buy one? Trust me, I thought about that. When I did the Halo guitar, if you guys saw that video, I just recently did that. And I thought about including you guys in that video, but I got scared. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you guys ever heard of the Bodie McBoat face thing that happened? That's a true story. Some of you guys will know. I'll uh, When I index it, I'll find it on the internet and link the story. So essentially somewhere, I don't know, in Norway or something, they decided to make this ship that's going to go to like Iceland or Greenland or some stuff, right? Antarctica. And um, the government's like, Hey, we're going to have a public, uh, the, let the public name the the ship. And some DJ on the radio is like, we should call it Bodie McBoatface. And they literally voted and, and I think it won and they called it Bodie McBoatface. And the moral of the story is maybe asking the internet or the public for their advice could get a little dangerous. I'm afraid like I'll have some kind of half warlock, half acoustic guitar, half, <laughs> you know, uh, a fish aquarium guitar. So, um, to answer your question, yeah, I would love to. Um, uh, I guess if I could find a scenario where, you know what I mean? I, I just would hate to build a guitar that I hate. 
You know what I mean? That's the scary part for me would be you get this guitar and then I don't want to play it. You know what I mean? That would be that, uh, that would, that would suck. Okay. Uh, here's another super chat. It says, uh, rock rockers 55 rockers 55. They, uh, says ever seen electro harmonics, try parallel mixer pedal. I have not have lush reverb delay with fuzz and overdrive at the same time. Really? So I'll have to check that out. See, what's cool about this is I'll index that. I haven't seen it. Um, that's one of the ones, I mean, it, it might be this thing where I look at it and go, oh yeah, but I can tell you I've never played it. So I would remember that. But I, um, but as far as I know, I've never seen it. Sander did a super chat for no reason. He did a super chat. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm like looking at it. It's got two things. Okay. Um, Let's see how we doing. We're doing great on time. Uh, here's a good question. JP Diddy says, do better tubes really make your tube amp sound better? Um, that is, uh, I like that question. That's a question that comes up from time to time. And I like it because it's always a great conversation because a lot of players are curious about that because it's a it's an expensive thing um all i'll say on the record on that because again it's you know i like i said there's tube fanatics out there and they're going to I, I, like i like the word connoisseur right uh if i have a friend who's a wine connoisseur i would trust his palate over mine on telling you what's a good wine um so because people usually the term connoisseur alludes that they're someone who's fixated on learning about that subject. And although I'm a gear fanatic, for sure, I'm not a specialty of gear fanatic. Like I have a friend who's really just into pickups and I have a friend who's really into tubes. You know what I mean? You have friends that are just really into one thing, friends that like just collect pedals. Um, so that being said, I'm not a tube fanatic in that that I feel comfortable, you know, other than generally talking about tubes. That being said. Um, what I always have learned for me personally, before I would replace tubes on an amp that are not bad. First of all, I don't, I don't replace tubes on amps un unless they're bad. Um, for the most part, you know what I mean? Uh, so that being said, I would change speakers before I would change tubes. So, um, that's what I would do first. Like if I had an amp and it was too bright, I would change the speaker before I would change the tube. Financially, it's about the same price, and I find you get a better, faster result. Uh, something like that sometimes. Um, and uh, I get that sometimes when I'll say, oh, this amp's bright, and they're like, well, change the tubes. And I'm like, see, I think the tubes are a, a big difference, but they're not big enough difference where they can over overtake the you know just basic eq controls or speakers and stuff so they're the they're not the biggest thing although i bet you a tube connoisseur would would beg to differ but again you have to have their ear sometimes that's where it gets tricky when somebody's like oh you're wrong this is why it's different and i and i don't argue that i'm right they're wrong they're right that i'm wrong i understand that to me when i'm explaining something to someone who's only playing guitar for a couple years they can't hear some of the things I'm talking about. Just like I can't hear th something that somebody who's fixated on that one subject, they'll be a be better expert than me. Um, but, uh, cool enough. I have, uh, I have some interviews, uh, which I just said, I'm going to the name show. And I said for a long time, there, the reason I'm going is I have some interviews with some very important, uh, uh, industry building people, uh, you know, manufacturers. And so, um, those are questions I will ask them. In fact, we will talk about that, not this episode, cause I don't want to worry about it now. We'll do it next week's episode. Uh, I'm going to put out something out to ask you guys, what questions would you like me to ask these, uh, you know, prestigious amp builders, guitar builders that I'm, 
being lucky enough to interview and talk to. And that's what I plan to do is do QA just like this. Um, in fact, I'm not going to release an interview of any of them. I'm going to release QAs, uh, pre-recorded QAs where I, you guys, just like now, answer my question, just won't be live. So we'll, you get your questions answered by the professionals. There you go. Okay. Uh, what do we got? I wonder if I can just click this. Can I? Nope. The super chat goes to the top, but I can't click it and show you guys. Um, so I kind of hate that they kind of go away. All right. Here's another one. Chris and uh, uh, Chris Conley. No, Connolly. Yeah. Uh, he did a super chat in Euro. So he's from Europe. Uh, Happy New Year, Phil. Got a got a practice log book. So I practice more this year as my resolution. Hope it works this year. That's a great idea. A practice log book. You know, I, I used to have teachers that would make a lot of students do practice log books, um, which is a very cool idea. Um, there's even, I think there's programs and apps and softwares that will do it for you where you can activate them like a stopwatch and it will do that for you. Uh, if you look, um, I've seen that before. I've seen teachers use a, an app. So there's got to be something out there generally that they're converting and using to to like a practice thing. I think that's a really good idea to keep your practice up. What I find more important or not, that's, I mean, obviously that's important, but what I'm saying is what, something to add to that, to your, to your resolution is what I've learned is um, defining what, pra for me, what I learned was defining practice is what was a bigger attribute for me. I used to say, oh, I practice an hour a day. <laughs> and then I would really think about going, well, I just played what I knew. That's practicing. But I think part of practicing is learning. So it's important that you're learning new stuff or practicing the things that you don't have down. Um, here's a good question for everybody. Uh, do you have a riff that you work on all the time. I have a for years and still don't have down. Um, I had, uh, uh, was it porn or graffiti? Decadence dance. Yeah, decadence dance. Yep. Uh, that song, I worked on that song years. <laughs> Maybe it's embarrassing to say that, but it's just the truth. I, um, I would get up and I would play a riff, that riff every day until I had it. And I finally one day just got it. And when I say got it, I mean, I got it good enough to where you know, if I played it, everybody would recognize what it is. No one would question it. Um, now I'm doing a Neil Zaza song. Is it Lightworker? Might be something like that. Anyways, um, and that's the riff. And so what I do sometimes when I'm not feeling like playing guitar, I'm not inspired to play, I'm not excited about it. I actually sit and just work on that riff. Um, and I think that's a real common trait. I've talked to a lot of professional guitar players, touring musicians, uh, and even semi-famous musicians. And when I asked them about practice habits, they all seem to have this same philosophy that there's this thing they work on um, until they get it so fluid that it's just ridiculous. And uh, that's what I do. So I always have this thing. And the reason I do it is because sometimes I'm sitting playing and I'm just, I don't have any books around me. I don't have anything to learn and I, I'm not in that environment. So I'll just work on that one riff. Um, you know what I mean? Until the muscle memory is there and I can play it in my sleep. So and I could say, honestly, I've never, ever got anything down far enough that I'd be ha I'm super happy with. But I think that's part of being a musician as well. You know what I mean? You should never be fully happy with <laughs> where you are. That's part of the tortured artist vibe is that uh, you're not supposed to be happy. I hate to say this. I think that's part of it. I mean, I don't, I don't think it should be part of it, but I think it is part of it. I think that the way you perceive yourself as a musician, just like any artist, 
it's always with a, a, a failure tone to it. There's just, you can only see and hear what you can't do right. So I think that's true for the most of us. Although please tell me if I'm wrong, because maybe I need to change the attitude. Maybe I can be a little happier. Um, let's see. Sanders uh, did. Sanders says, hey, Phil, your opinion on the best P90 replacement pickup. I don't have that. You know, that question keeps coming up and I don't have an answer. Uh, it's funny to me. All the guitars that I own right now that have P90s all have Seymour Duncan P90s in them because that's what they came with. And I haven't really tried a whole lot of P90s. Um, I I haven't had a whole lot of luck with noiseless P90s loving them. But as you guys know, this year starts the, uh, you know, we're going to do the pickup challenge throughout the year. And P90s is definitely where I plan to focus a lot of that time and energy. So hold tight, Sander. I'll, I'll get there. I, I plan to try a lot of P90s for that reason. Um, that's what's great about what's what this is going to be is I'm going to be comparing a lot of pickups so I can, you know, obviously we can all kind of hear them together. That's coming along uh, pretty well. I probably should post some of that stuff. I've been posting that stuff privately to the uh, more of the patrons in the patron Facebook groups. Um, maybe I'll do that public uh, and let you know the progress of where that that crazy guitar is 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 at right now. So, so <laughs> Brian says no thumbs down. Where's Ralph? Uh, I think Ralph's at work, believe it or not. So that would be the explanation. Okay. Uh, let's see. Hold on. Let's do some non-super chats. Okay. This one is from the Magnetic Fisherman. It says, does a Freeman BEOD sound bad or not as good on a solid state amp? Oh, well, you know, my, again, it's just my ear. My ear, when you play the really high gainy pedals, whether that's the 5150 EVH or the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 uh, what's the JHS, uh, Brown Charlie, Charlie Brown, the BOD, all the higher gain pedals, right? The Dracaris. Um, it seems like the solid state amps really find the frequency of the fizziness of that. So you really have to work on that. Um, what I find is tube amps, and I mean pretty much any tube amp um, for the most part, um, when you use those higher gain pedals, the tube amps kind of warm up that pedal. That pedal is really bright and it's like a can of bees and it's got all that distortion and there's definitely sustain, but it doesn't have any warmth and fullness for the most part. Um, so the solid state amps can be problematic and you're not saying what solid state amp, so each one will be slightly different. But the good news is, is that you can fix it even if it's a solid state amp. Sometimes you just got to work on dialing it a little bit, maybe dial the distortion off the pedal. Um, sometimes the EQ pedal helps. Sometimes the compressor pedal helps. Um, but definitely you're going to have to do that. Plus, keep in mind, I, and this is just a theory, um, but I bet you it's pretty close to right. A lot of pedal manufacturers, when they make these pedals, they try them, of course. They test them on amps, and a lot of them use like a Hot Rod Deluxe by Fender. Uh, the BEOD, Dave Freeman specifically said they used a, B, uh, a Hot Rod Deluxe by Fender when testing the, the pedal. A lot of manufacturers will use a tube amp to test the pedals. Very few are testing solid state amps. So when they're designing the EQ range and the distortion range and all the little things in the pedal, they're not really thinking of the solid state market. So it will sound good, but it does inherently sound bad until you can dial in it and sometimes you can't but but keep in mind musicians have been using um pedals and solid stadiums for years with great success 
but that being said, not every petal is going to work with solid amp. It's just how it works. So you'll have to find the next the next animal. Um, if you want a suggestion, if you want a theory or a suggestion, I would say try the uh, Bogner Burnley pedal, which has the Neves preamp in it. That pedal, which sounds great with two amps, sounds really good with solid state amps because it has that Neves preamp in there. And that preamp in there seems to be, have a warming kind of effect and it really feels like uh with a solid state that's why so many so many of us have so many pedals besides you know just a neurotic nature to collect crap <laughs> this could be easily hot wheels or legos behind me too star wars characters i just happen to pick you know pedals but my burnley which is right there i'm pointing at it right now that purple guy uh that pedal although if you notice it's on the wall and not on my pedal board I don't always use it, but when I do, I use it because I, I trust that pedal to give me a good high gain sound when I don't know what I'm going to be plugging into. So like somebody was like, Hey, came over tomorrow tonight and we'll jam and we'll, you know, we'll talk and have fun. And I'm like, okay. And I don't know what amp they have. Uh, I'll bring a couple pedals and that's one of the pedals I, I go to because I feel pretty confident that it will sound good by itself. Even in a mixer, stick it right in a mixer. I can get a decent sound out of it. Let's see. Let's do this. Uh, Moochie? Is that Moochie Freeman? Moochie. Sure. I'm going to say it. Uh, uh, is there such thing as a 24 fret Stratocaster? If so, uh, where should I look for one? Um, maybe the heavy metal Strat. Does anyone remember? Was the heavy metal Strat a 24 fret Strat? The heavy metal Strat was like a late 80s thing. Um, there was probably a couple Strats through the 80s at the end. I mean, you got to remember like Fender was dying. The late 80s, Gibson and Fender, they were almost at you know, bankruptcy. So, I mean, they were losing. You know, uh, uh, it was bad enough when they had Kramer and BC Rich and Hamer. But when Ibanez did the RG series and the Sabre series, I mean, that stuff was just, it was just too much. And then, of course, grunge came and saved uh, the vintage type guitars. You know what I mean? Because the grunge made the, the 80s shredder guitars die. So if Fender did it, my guess would be it'd be then. I think, I think which really wouldn't really count as a Stratocaster. I think the, um, uh, what's this FMT strats? Like they did a, there's a Korean made set neck strat. That's that. I think that might have 24 frets. I don't know. You have to, um, but the good news is if you really, you know, I mean, if you said Stratocaster, not Fender, if you want a 24 strat, 24 fret strat, you can get one from other manufacturers. They make strat style guitars with 24 frets, or you can get one, a neck from Warmoth. Um, it won't say Fender, but it'll, have a strat headstock and it'll be a strat so you can do it so absolutely it can be done if anybody remembers a different strat that had 24 frets please put that uh put that in the comments by the way there's like 900 of us <laughs> so that's after the holidays there's more guitar players after the holidays so okay um let's do a non super chat and uh, like I said, and I have some pen super chats. I just want to real quick say Ed Pack, thank you for the super chat. Um, I'm looking for, here you go. Here's a question mark. First one, Ed Pack says, do you think a 212 cab would sound better with a super champ than a normal 112 uh, it's matched with? And what drives... And what drivers would be best? Okay, so Super Chant, I absolutely, in my opinion, think that a 212 would sound better than the 112. Um, now, when I say better, I'm going to say bigger because better is different because a 112 cabinet, there's some things about 112s I like as well too. They have a lot of harmonics and stuff. They sound really cool. They're punchy. But to me, 
I usually want everything to be sound warmer and bigger and especially at lower volumes. I'm trying to fill a room up with sound, whether it's up at home and I'm just, you know, playing for myself and practicing, or if I'm at a gig, but I can't turn up loud, but I want to feel like, you know, fill this, the stage area that I have up with sound. Um, I'll use the super chap. I've used the super champ for that exact reason and through a two twelve. So, uh, absolutely. And the two twelve. um, you know, the 212s I use always had vintage 30s. I'm a vintage 30 guy. So those that's what I would recommend as drivers. Although I think you could equally find really good solutions through Eminence or warehouse speakers, make great speakers. The Mojo Tone speakers are great. I mean, um, speakers are a tough thing because there's what I've learned is that I like vintage 30 that tone so much to my ear that it's not even vintage 30s I'm after. I, I own now many clones or types of vintage 30s from other brands and i've found that i i like them all for different reasons but i like them all too so um so i'm trying to think when i used uh i can tell you what i used when i was running my super champ through a 212 i was using the supersonic 212 which had two vintage 30s in it sounded fantastic so absolutely give it a try it's a good way i love smaller lower wattage amps on bigger cabinets like my this freeman dirty shirley on this 212 uh cabinet i love that uh, it's a great way to get the smaller amps to sound a little fuller uh, real quick. You know what I mean? It, 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 the 112s are great if you're cranking the amp and trying to get the speaker really distort. You know what I mean? If that's part of the distortion tone. But a lot of the amps I play, like the Super Champ, this Dirty Shirley, they have a master volume and a gain, and you can just get the gain out of the amp without having to really drive the speaker so much. But again, like everything, it's a tone preference. Ah, okay. CN says, CN... Phil Malter. Probably close, I hope. Uh, Neck keeps Boeing on my 17, 2017 Les Paul tribute. Uh, tighten the truss rod about 10 times in, 10 year, in two years. Never had to loosen it. Will it settle eventually? Um, well, first of all, like I said, my guess is, you know, you have the brass end on the truss rod. And there's a couple things. One, that doesn't even sound that bad to me. Um, when I say that bad, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to have to adjust it at all if it was, you know, in a perfect world, but having a guitar, especially a tribute, Les Paul, that the truss rod, you said 10 times in two years, right? So that's five times a year. Okay. So that's less than, you know, once every two months, uh, you know, and I'm just generally speaking, I know it's five is, you know, not every two months, but you get the idea. Um, that being said, it's more that I'd want to adjust it, but it's not a point to where I'd worry, you know, like, Oh no, you know, you just, um, in fact I have guitars. So, you know what, you guys have noticed this in my collection. I have guitars that just never need adjustment. They're magic. And I have guitars that always need adjustment. When I say always kind of like you 10 times in two years, and you'll notice I don't have trust rods on them. Somebody's like, uh, you know, I don't have trust rods on them. Um, and that's cause I just, I adjust them so much. I, I don't have the truss rod. When I had the Halo, uh, Halo guitar made, I requested no truss rod on the neck. Same reason, because I just don't want the truss rod because I want to be able to adjust it if I need to. Um, so I wouldn't worry so much. The reason it could be happening is possible that the threads are a little worn or there's an issue with the brass top. You can get a new... Uh, nut uh, brass nut from gibson and stick it on there take the old one off put the new one on and see if that helps that might help a little bit uh you could put um i wouldn't put any loctite or anything in the truss rod uh, i'm not a big proponent for doing anything teflon tape any of that stuff um because uh you, you know it, it, at that point nothing's broken so let's not let's not worry about it too much um but to answer your question will it settle eventually my guess is no 
if it's still moving around that much, it's a 2017, it's a three, four year old guitar. Um, you know I mean? Three years old coming up on, you know, whatever, four years. Um, I'm going to say, just go ahead and, and if it's bothering you, go ahead and, and, and see about getting a new truss rod, uh, brass top. So that's what I would, I would do. So, uh, Oh, somebody, um, answered my, uh, thank you guys. Uh, somebody said chicken guitars. It was chicken guitars. She said, uh, which no, it was wrong. It wasn't chicken guitars. She was right. She's right next to the person who gave the answer when I clicked it, it must've moved. Well, hi chicken guitars. But the answer was Showmaster, the Strat that I was looking for, Showmaster, that, uh, but didn't say if whether or not it had 24 frets. But there's a Fender Showmaster uh, that's been Korea set neck. And uh, I think there was an American version, too, of the Showmaster. And either way, it might have 24 frets, but I wouldn't really call it a Strat. That's like a Strat-esque <laughs> guitar. Okay. Um, Grumpy Mike. Grumpy Mike said no for no particular reason. Happy New Year. You know, Grumpy Mike having an avatar and a name Grumpy Mike, but not being so grumpy is kind of a funny, you know, oxymoron. It's great. It's a nice guy who says he's grumpy. <laughs> so if we ever meet a guy named Nice Guy Mike, stay away from that guy. That's the real grumpy guy. That's how that works. Uh, Sunny Soul says, hi, love your videos. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm really a Les Paul fan and my dream guitar by Specs is a Les Paul custom Axis, uh, with Tom W Tom. Okay. Never try one. Have you, mm, why do I think the answer is yes? <laughs> Hold on a second. Cause it says with Tom. Hold on. I need to. Look at what this is. Hold on a second. Because it's one of those things that's going to bug me if we don't look. And a lot of you guys know what it is, but I'm sometimes, like I said, you're just. Uh, I'll screen share with this in a second, guys. I'm just going on. I found one on Sweetwater. At least it says it is. Huh. I don't know what particular is different. Let me screen share with this. Hold on. S share screen. Here we go. Share. Ta-da! I found one for $5,000. At least that's what it says. Gibson Custom Les Paul. Access Custom Figure Top. And Modern Playability. Weight Relieved. Special Neck Joint. Oh, yeah. Okay. So is it like the moderns where it has the, uh, the heel? Yeah. It's, hmm. Interesting. I tried, I did not try this. Okay. So let me get out of this. Okay. Uh, I did not try that guitar. However, I did try one of the new Les Paul moderns at a Sam Mash uh, a couple months ago with that neck carve on it. And I remember thinking, wow, I love this guitar. And uh, I thought the Les Paul modern was like, I picked it up and I go, yeah, this is what I want. And then my back of my head, I just got that weird feeling like, but if I decide in five years, I don't like this, this is going to have the worst hor horrible resale value because it's not as traditional Les Paul. Gibsons and Fenders, when they're the more the traditional they are, the better the resale usually is because everybody's looking for that. They're not looking for the weirder ones. But that, but that being said, um, uh, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't love the color. It was it was just painted black, and I was looking for uh, like a flame top or something. But um, 
so the answer to your question, I have not tried that particular guitar, um, but I like the idea of Gibson doing more innovative things. So uh, in the in the carves and stuff uh, and see what they got right this year is they did that and then they kept the traditional stuff. So you can have either either way. But I think, unfortunately, like what with Fender, it's just it's never going to it's never going to the 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 modernization of those brands are never going to take off like their traditional brands. And I know it's funny. I did my year and decade or decade review and I said, you know, 2015 was the the worst guitar, but I because I had to pick something. And um, that stuck out to me. It was a, as a blunder. And it was because of the fact, it, and I should have said this. Sometimes when you make a video and, and then you read comments later, you go, oh, I should have put that in there. That makes more sense. Really what I was really attacking on that or talking about, I'll say attacking, whatever, uh, on that was that it wasn't just that the guitars, that they did the guitars. It was that they didn't do anything else. They just said, this is what you all get. That's why it was bad. And I should have articulated that better. But then sometimes you think you have a point, you think it's coming across, and then you read some comments, you go, oh, that's a good point. I should have pointed out that that's more so what I was saying was the idea that was so bad. It wasn't the necessary of the guitars, although some of those things were strange. It was the fact that it was like, this is it. If you don't like this. So like that guitar, I think that guitar is cool, the access, but if Gibson did only those this year, I'd be like, oh, this is a weird, weird move. They should do both. I think that's why doing both now is a smart move. So I hope that kind of makes sense. Okay. Uh, hold on. Got another one right here. Another super chat. I'm going to try. I'll do a non-super non chat. Maybe. Am I not clicking it right? It switched. Well, we'll do this one, Daniel. Daniel says, do you anticipate that Ebony will move to Sides, uh 2 in the future? I, I don't anticipate that because obviously what started this whole thing is that, uh, you know, they were using the woods uh, for furniture. And I don't, I don't, I've never really seen, I don't, you know, obviously I don't know anything about high-end furniture, um, but uh I have never seen a whole lot, a whole lot of ebony high-end furniture. I'm not, I don't think it's a wood that's, you know, that maybe I could be wrong. Maybe there's a whole this high-end ebony furniture. So to answer your question, if ebony becomes on the sides, it's going to be because of something using it in mass besides us. I mean, musicians, obviously, if you guys saw, we talked about last time, the sides, you know, as excluded musical instruments because of that. We're such a small nothing in the industry of the world. You know what I mean? Musical instruments. And, um, so no, I don't see it as a potential problem in the future. Although, you know, the saying never say never. So, okay. Um, I have to, I'm going to grab some non-super chats. Give me guys a second. And here's one. It's from David. He says, hey, Phil. Hey, hey, Phil. That's me. Happy New Year is uh, Headroom. Similar to a low watt amp with maxed master no gain to a high watt amp, mid volume light gain. Uh, going to okay, I don't understand this question, so let me read it. Going to an S sim like a red box. So I'm going to go off what I think the question is, and then hopefully that'll help. Um, so headroom, he's he's highlighting headroom. Is it similar to headroom? Let's let's put it this way: headroom on an amp, generally speaking, 
is when we're talking about headroom, we're talking about how high or how loud an amp can be either in two categories. Clean. How loud can an amp get clean? So when we say, oh, that amp has a high, clean headroom. We mean the amp can get very loud and stay very clean. That's usually what headroom is referring to. I understand there's more to your question, but uh, let me answer these two things and then it might help the rest. When we talk about headroom in the gain stage, sometimes amps that sound really good, uh, especially distorted, right? You turn them up and you get that sweet spot and you're like, oh, that's great. But then you need to be louder. And as you turn up the amp, as I like to say, eats itself. It literally just starts imploding. Uh, it's just distortion becomes farty. It just doesn't sound good. It's not tight anymore. There's problems. Uh, you know, you're having trouble controlling feedback. So headroom is usually something we're addressing as guitar players as a term to uh, talk about how high and amps distortion stays sounding good or how clean sound sounds sounding good um and so in a low watt amp we'd be referring to that as well as like hey this low watt amp has a pretty high clean headroom um and usually low watt amps have a horrible clean headroom is uh, usually a term so uh so uh, to the rest of your question about mid light gain, all that stuff that got a little confusing for me, but at least uh, we can talk about this. Um, but uh, using a red box or a captor is a perfect way to uh, to get a good headroom for recordings or for a band mix. So what I mean by that is sometimes you could run a line out of the amp into like a red box or a captor and set the settings so that it sounds really great to the mix um, and then use that uh, mix either through the, the recording or through the PA to get more volume out of the amp. And I think that's at the core of your question. I hope it is. If not, uh, that's my answer <laughs> to whatever question I could figure out from that. Um, let's do, hold on a second. Let's do this. Let's do this. I have some super chats that I have that I cannot pin for some reason. Cause they like, they time out on this, this screen, but I have them over here. I'm going to scroll through them real fast and make sure we don't lose any of them. Um, we have Zach. Zach said, how long does... Uh, okay, we already did that one. Sorry. BK. BK says, Happy New Year, Godin A6 or Godin ACSSA Nylon. By the way, why is there? Why are there no steel string acoustic synth uh, access Godins anymore? I don't know. Probably poor sales. Um, you know what I mean? Uh you know what I mean? Godin is a company that I really, really like, and I've always liked their guitars. And one thing about them, if you notice, is they really, they're one of the few brands that they make some products and then they stop and they make something else. And the I, I, I think it's because they're smart. They're not going to make something and then try to get salespeople to, to find a market for it. Um, that's definitely a strategy. So for instance, you could make a product and send your sales force out and send your marketing force out and the marketing forces to convince everybody that it's great and they want it. Sales forces to convince everybody like the dealers to buy it because it's going to be the greatest thing. But I don't think Godin works that way. I think Godin works the opposite way. They make product and if the buyers don't buy it, then they stop and make something else. Um, I don't necessarily find either way to be necessarily bad. I mean, you have to do a little bit of salesmanship and marketing to get stuff across. Sometimes the consumer is not always right in this regard. Um, there is many instances over the years where the consumers have said no to a product and the company pushed on that product and it took over. That's why, again, back to RoboTuners, why Gibson was so stubborn. They were like, the consumer didn't know. In that case, the consumer did know. They didn't want the, the product as, as an entirety. Um, but to, to, to your regard, that's why I think Godin stopped doing that. Um, but as, uh, as you guys, Godin A6 or the Godin ACS, uh, nylon, I had the A6. I really liked it. I sold it to my buddy, um, Matt. 
I don't know if I regret it, but I, but I kind of wanted the nylon more too. It's kind of gravitating. My buddy Larry has the nylon he uses all the time. Um, and I have a nylon acoustic and I was thinking about selling my nylon acoustic and getting the nylon, uh, golden, but there's a price discrepancy. I'd be selling my nylon acoustic and I'd be lucky to get 250 bucks for it. Uh, even though it's a nice one. Um, it, it's, uh, well, maybe $300 anyways. And that thing's like a thousand dollars or $1,200, uh, used. Uh, so, uh, I don't know which one to tell you to get. <laughs> I would say this, you have to think about, uh, well, one, if you want nylon, you want nylon, but you have to understand they have different necks. The nylon's got a much wider neck. So if you're not into the wider nylon necks, I would stay away and stick with the acoustic steel strings. Okay. Um, okay. Adam has a question and Adam's question is, is there any reason companies can't do nitro finishes other than cost? It is just a cost cutting measure or are there some regulations on export? Actually, so you know, um, a lot of companies can't do nitro in the state of California. Um, California has restrictions on nitrocellulose uh, lacquer and nitro lacquers. Uh, to some degrees, there's kind of restrictions. So yes, the restrictions are not just a cost thing. Their restrictions are uh, obviously EPA regulations, disposal regulations. Uh, there's all kinds of other things in play. But keep in mind, the main thing about nitro, usually nitrocellulose lacquer, uh, finish is the huge cost in how long it takes to cure. Um, when I was in Germany um, and I saw, you know, Sadowski is now uh, having Framus uh, Warwick build some of the new bases. They use a, a UV cured finish where they can cure a guitar finish in 30 seconds. Um, they literally sprayed it. It goes in a, like a, like a little, like a phone booth. <laughs> the phone booth sucks it up into the ceiling. We're not sure what's up in the ceiling. <laughs> And then it comes back down 30 seconds later and it is dry, completely dry. Obviously what goes up is uh, a bunch of lamps because it's UV light. That was crazy to see them finish a guitar that fast. Um, and they're working on a finish that they don't have to then finish sand, wet sand after that and stuff. So um, yeah, it's cost cutting because polyurethanes can cure faster and they need less uh, uh, layers of wet sand and stuff. And to keep, remember, I'm always generalizing this stuff because I go to factories and I see how they do this stuff on, on the finishes, but I'm not a finish guy. So keep in mind, it's with the limited resources. I can just tell you what I've seen and noticed. I'm anticipating that's the problems. Uh, let's see. Um, Phil, hey, Philip, like me, but with one L, I'm with two L's. Philip says, what do you think of the Schecter Solo 2 Custom as an alternative to the Les Paul? Um, I owned a Schecter Solo 2. It was really cool. The one made in Korea, they have some, I think, made in Indonesia now, but uh, I've always liked the Schecter guitars. I've said this, I'll, I'll say this a million times over. The Schecter Solo 2 is just as good as a Les Paul in the way it's constructed, in my opinion. And uh, th the thing with Schecter has always been that they they really they really marketed towards the metal players, and I think that's where they lost some ground. And I think they should have took the Solo 2s and the less metal-type guitars and made sure that they had other markets, uh, you know, uh, you know, kind of taken care of. Um, but um, no, I like Schecter stuff. Like I said, I would rock a Schecter. No problem. I had a Schecter Hellraiser. I've had two on the channel and uh, I really like them for sure. Like I said, uh, I could definitely, it's, every time I play a, a high-end guitar, I think to myself, why don't I just play a Schecter? Cause I always think they kind of feel the same. They, they're really good. The counter argument to that, by the way, the one I hear all the time is they very they feel like every other Korean made mass produced guitar. I can see that point too, um, but ultimately, for the price point, I just don't know where you you pick them apart. You can usually pick those guitars up for good money. So, 
Um, let's see. Michael says he bought a Vox Mini 5 watt practice amp uh, over the THR5 because he was worried about breaking power switch. Good tones. Uh, and it has 99, uh, 99 drum beats and he loves it. So he just wanted us to know that. I appreciate that, Michael. Um, I hadn't heard that there was a problem with the THR5 uh, switch breaking. So I'll have to take a look at that because I was looking at THR5s. That's interesting that you said that. Uh, Martin's got a... Uh, Martin says, uh, I like the look of the pedal pal effects, 595 plexi V2 thoughts. I saw the teaser for it. You guys know that, uh, um, the guys at pedal pal effects are friends of the channel, of course. And, uh, we were, you know, we reviewed a couple of their pedals. I know they have a new one now, the new plexi V2 595. They sent me the same teaser. You guys saw, saw the quick little picture of it. Um, I know they've been working on it for a long time when I, uh, hung out with them a year or two ago, uh, they were talking about this, you know, uh, during dinner, he was talking about how he's working out the, the plan. I'm very excited. They said that they would make sure we get one to review on the channel. So Martin, I will make sure to do a review of it, uh, and, and give you my honest thoughts on it. Uh, like I said, I really like the pedal pal effects guys. The, remember I was talking about earlier on the show about people who are connoisseurs and hyper like focus on one thing. Those guys are hyper-focused on getting Marshall in a box. <laughs> and they do it really well. And uh, I, I give them a really, really good accolades for that. Uh, Jose says, I have a, uh, he has a black Washburn Sammy Hagar signature signed by Sammy Hagar back in 1997. Uh, any comments on that one? Um, well, like I said, I'm a Washburn fan. I used to, I used to love all the Washburn stuff. I say used to because, I mean, you know, they do a little bit now, but it's not like it was. I've never played the Sammy Hagar guitar, but I will tell you this, and I'll tell everybody this. Everybody should read Sammy Hagar Red, the book Red, R-E-D. And if you don't want to read it, you can get the books on, you know, uh, <laughs> I want to say books on tape. No, uh, you know, the, um, um, man, I'm going to be mad if I don't look it up now. What's it called? Audible. I use Audible. So I have Audible on my phone, and you can just listen to the books. Um, fantastic read. I, I was, I, it was really great. I thought it was going to be like, you know, three hours or four hours of just, you know, talking about Van Halen. It was not Sammy Hagar. I'm going to tell you right now, if you have that guitar and you have Sammy Hagar signed it, you need to read the book. It really opened my eyes to so many things, uh, not only about Sammy Hagar, but about the music world. Um, probably one of the best, you know, autobiography type style books I've, I've read. Uh, let's see. Uh, Joseph uh, wants to know, uh, what do I think of the Dean Zielinski guitars the, with slippery necks uh, and new electronic controls and thin bodies too? Uh, would you do any reviews? I would do definitely do reviews. The, the, the problem, of course, is, you know, I mean, getting a company to, to send you a product to review and check out, it gets a little tricky. Um, you know, some companies don't work with channels. Some companies do. Some companies have... Uh, restrictions and rules. And as you guys know, you know, you just can't buy every product. That's where some of the, the, the online entities that are music stores slash, you know, like, you know, Anderton's and, and, uh, and Sweetwater and stuff. I mean, they could just burn through reviewing gear one after another. It's a little harder for the smaller channels to do it. Um, but yes, absolutely. I, I can tell you right now, I, I, I very rarely get approached by companies, but I do. And, um, 
And uh, it's very rare when a company like Z- Dean Zelensky or like, a, you know, if, if Ibanez reach out to me and say, hey, can we send you some product to do some videos on that? I would say no, um, because like because this reason I know you guys are interested in that stuff. Usually where I taper off is sometimes there's companies that reach out and I just know you guys aren't interested in it. You know what I mean? Like the jammy synth guitar thing. I'm not, you know, not really interested in doing that review. Um, I don't think you guys care. But then I, I don't know, maybe I should ask you guys every week. We should be like, hey, which ones should we do? But to answer your question, I would totally, totally would love to do a video of those and go through the guitars and just show you what I, you know, see and stuff. Because that's what I think about the videos. I think it's about not so much an opinion is so much as just seeing it. You know what I mean? Here's how what I see. And that's what's great about all the channels. They see different things in the instruments. So Joseph, the answer to your question would be yes. Um, if they're at the name show, maybe I'll try to stop by their booth. That's what we'll be talking about next week. Uh, Chris, uh, hold on. Nope. Sorry. I already did Chris's, uh, accelerate, accelerate, get it. X L R eight, accelerate wireless whales. Now see, I wanted to accelerate wireless accelerate whales says, Hey, Phil, looking uh, at getting a Rosewood fretboard telly. I have about 1200 Euro. Don't mind secondhand or new. What's your thoughts? Uh, does it have to be a fender? It doesn't have to be a fender. Um, you know, and, and again, the price point don't, I understand that you're trying to give me what you're prepared to spend up to. Um, in that case, you know, uh, I have a bunch of tele guitars, style guitars. I love my GNLs as much as my fenders. There's no question about that. If you're looking for an amazing high end telecaster GNL, the resale value is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> just going to let you know. Uh, with GNL, it seems like you either have to buy the guitar at the right price. So if you ever want to get rid of it, you can, or you have to resolve that you're going to keep this guitar forever. Um, the GNL tellies that I have, the A sets I have are fantastic. And, um, but yes, you know what I mean? You got to buy them at the right price, but I think you can buy a much better quality guitar with more, more better components, better finishes, just an all around better guitar than Fender. For less money, if you buy a GNL, the the caveat to that though is, like I said, you'll buy a better guitar for less money until you go to sell it. You are better off buying a Fender because you would have retained as much money as you possible. So that's my question to you: If you think you're going to keep this guitar, don't be afraid to look at the non-Fenders because you will find some amazing better products than Fender. Um, if you're worried about that twelve hundred dollars, because let's let's be honest, you know, I mean, unless you're a professional musician, you can write this stuff off or you're making the money that you don't care about 1200 bucks. You know, uh, I understand that, but for the average Joe, uh, guitar player, collector slash everything, the part of the, the, the thing that's great about what we do is the appeal of actually being able to get the majority of your money back out to get into your next endeavor. So, you know what I mean? It, not every guitar. I love it when guys say, Oh, uh, I only buy one guitar and I have that guitar forever. And I'm like, I, I really appreciate that. And I understand that, but that's not the norm. That's not what the market says happens. The majority of people flip their guitars. So that's my answer to you is uh, check out the fenders. Um, it, and at 1200 euros, you should be able to find a, uh, even an American fender use no problem. Tell and get a great deal. Um, uh, oh, Matthew King. Hold on, Matthew. Before I do the thing, let me drink some water. Okay, Matthew King says, how do you choose what you play on a guitar during the review video? Is it improvised? So it used to be easy. When I started the channel, I used to play a cover. 
I would pick a song that I thought was cool that would match the style of music and I would do that cover over time. As you guys can see, like a lot of channels, I got weary of that because I'm like, okay, um, we call it legacy videos. I call it legacy videos too. a legacy videos. I have videos that, um, they literally still produce money every month, month after month. I mean, sometimes you get lucky. It's just like, Oh, just like rock stars. I don't want to say rock stars, just like musicians. They write a hit song, right? That hit song pays dividends for years. YouTube works the same way. I can make a video and I can put my heart and soul into this video and work my butt off and it literally makes 20 bucks. That's just the downside. Here's the plus side. I could do a, a video sometimes where I didn't even know what I was, you know, I just did it real fast and it was junk. And literally I'm like, oh, uh, I'm, they're going to kill me when I put this video out because they're going to hate it. And literally three years later, I look and that video is still paying hundreds of dollars every, every month for years. Right. Um, so, uh, so to answer your question, you start looking back at some of your legacy videos and going, oh, well, what happens if I get a copyright strike? I mean, you know what I mean? So you don't want that. So I started, uh, I took some advice from Pete Thorne. Pete Thorne's like, I write all my own music for my own videos. So why don't you just do that too? And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. So I started doing exactly what you said, imp improvising. And I'll do a little bit here and there of songs uh, sometimes because I think this, this video really needs to have more of a, a cover song to it. And then how do I choose what I play? I, I, I literally am not kidding. I play for like an hour. I film, seriously. I film me playing for like 30, 40 minutes to an hour sometimes. Uh, just playing all kinds of stuff. And then when I edit, I pick things that I thought were, oh, this is kind of cool. Or this sounded good for a minute. And a lot of times you guys are like, hey, that was really short. You should have played longer. It's because maybe in the middle of that clip, I actually stopped a second later and started playing something else. So I'm trying to refine that part. Um, unfortunately, some channels like, like Pete Thorne, where they write music and they're like, okay, I'm going to write this song and this is how I'm going to demo it. I don't do that. Um, I don't sit and go, okay, I'm going to write this kind of riff. Really what I think is, um, and also, you know what I do sometimes when I'm watching and, and this is sometimes it's funny. I get this a lot. Some people go, Oh, your playing's really improved or, Oh man, you need to, you suck. It's always funny how it moves. And sometimes it's because, uh, like in any, I'm going to say the word artist, uh, maybe I mean it loosely, but I'm still going to use it for myself. Um, when I'm editing a video, sometimes you have to make decisions. And sometimes the decision as I go, man, that really conveys the sound of that product really well, even though I really hit two bum notes and that sounded horrible but the part where I was playing, right? So here's what I'm saying. I don't have an ego about my playing. If I can, if I can make a product that will sound the way I think it should sound to you guys, because really what I'm worried about when I make a review every time, I don't care if the product sounds good or not. It's not my focus. I've said this before. It's something that's, you know, not something I'm sure companies want to hear right now, but what I care about is returns. What I think about is when you guys buy a product based on a video that I may have done and then you get it and you go, it doesn't sound anything like that. I don't know what that was. <laughs> that's where I'm like, oh man, because that's the goal. The goal is not to sell you a product or get you to buy a product. The goal is to help you make a decision because I'm out there too watching videos just like you trying to make decisions as well. I had to watch so many videos to hear the, the Dirty Shirley and I just could not make a decision. And I would have never bought this Dirty Shirley and mentioned it on the live show, if it wasn't the fact when I was in Germany, I played the full size one and I go, wow, I really like it. And not everybody's going to have that opportunity. You know what I mean? To try the, the product and trying the product is an easy decision. You can figure out in seconds if you like it. So to answer your question, uh, that's how I, you know, I improvise all this stuff and I try to figure it out and I try to refine it and I'm getting a little better at it. I think at trying to come up with a, in my head before I start the video, how I want this video to come out. But again, ultimately I worry about, I focus on, I shouldn't say worry. I focus on making sure that you guys 
they're just getting a sense of the product that's, I mean, there's, you know, and the reason I do that too is because there's tons of channels that can make everything sound awesome. And I think those are great. You listen to those channels and you go, that's what the product can sound like. When I get the product, I'll figure out how to get it to sound like that. But I'm not a channel that does that. I'm a channel that lets you know this is what the product sounds like. So there you go. All right. Uh, here. Hold on. I think we're. Okay. The Chicago Todd says, can you chat about the Blue uh, amp one guitar amp one? I just got the Iridium uh, nano cab. Loving that. He said, loving that with the DAT. Uh, reason for question seems to be lots of misconceptions on nanotube and power supply. Sure. Um, you know, what sucks is I, I did a video with Thomas Blug and the video uh, had dropped frames. It was a corrupted video from the hard drive. So I couldn't use the video. And that's something we talked about. The To answer your question, and it, it may have, I may have even talked about this when I did the... Um, uh, you know, my review of my gear, I mentioned that it's a solid state product. And so it goes, well, it's a tube. It's both those things. The nano tube is to warm up the power section of the product. The product is using a solid state uh, preamp section. The nano tube is, is a preamp tube, but it's there to warm up the solid. The, the idea of the Thomas Blue Gant for the most part, what I got from the interview was he was creating a, a solid state sound which is pedals like what we use pedals for and then using a nanotube to warm up the class d power section of that thing and what i love about that pedal is don't get caught up in that don't get caught up in what it is sometimes you know uh i i never get caught up in that silliness and what i mean by that is um the the dirty shirley right here is hand wired it is this uh mark 5 mini next to it is not it's all pc board i love these amps equally you guys know I've been had my Mark V Mini for for many years, and I love it. I, I love these amps. They're they're totally different, and there's something I like about either one. But I don't know it necessarily. Go oh well, the Dirty Shirley is hand wired, so therefore technically it's better, or it has you know, or the Mark V has you know this other feature which makes it technically better. Everything is what it is. It's just fun to talk about them. We talk about them. I think that's talking about learning about that stuff, having fun with the stuff. Plus, you know. What else are we going to talk about? Politics? That's just a nightmare. So we're going to talk about, you know, the things we love so we can have some joy in our life. The Thomas Blue Gamp is fun to talk about, but ultimately what really matters is whether or not it sounds good or not. And the reality is uh, everybody's going to have a different opinion on that. My opinion is really simple. That thing is so thin, so small, and I could literally take it anywhere. And I feel like I could play anywhere with any kind of band. And no one would walk up to the stage and be like, how dare you have such a horrible sounding technology? You know what I mean? It just sounds, it sounds great. It's a great product. Um, I do, it doesn't inspire me as much as a full tube amp, but I think, uh, I think Thomas knows that. I think Thomas loves his, his tube amps and he's figured out how to take that love of those tube amps and make it into small technology. Uh, the, I think the blue amp one, believe it or not, is, uh, it doesn't get uh, as much love as I think it should. I think most people who play it really enjoy it. It's a good product for sure. Um, then we have Tom. Tom Tolver did no question. Just <laughs> adding to Ed's comment, Vox AC4 uh, to H and K212 with V30s is awesome. Okay, so he's basically, when we were talking about earlier about using a Super Champ 212, um, he said, I'd like to build a 210 Celestion 1030s as a fun D, uh, DIY project. Yeah, 10s give you a really great sound. I like 410s over 210s, uh, if you if, if that matters. Uh, 210s sound great, but so you know, there's something about 410s 
there's something magical about that setup, you know, 212s versus 410s. Um, so a two, two, 210 cabinet's cool, but a 410 cabinet, that's what you got to try. Try that for sure. Um, let's see. Okay. And then we're going to call it in a minute, but I'm going to do a couple more quick questions since we did a bunch of super chats, some non super chats. Uh, bearded blues dude. <laughs> His avatars, him with a beard. Let you soak that in while I read the question. It says, Philip McKnight, that's me. Why do you think more why do you think more fender guitars don't have bound necks? Fender bound bodies without bound necks make me sad. Um, I don't know. You know, they did some cool bound necks back in the day, and of course we've seen their their technology where they drop in the rosewood fretboard into a solid maple neck to give it a bound. Um I think my guess is they don't sell well because it's just Fender has never been a pretty guitar. You know what I mean? Think about this. If I was going to talk about bound necks on Fenders, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention flame maple tops. Flame maple top Fenders have not sold well either, by the way. They've tried that many, tiles, uh, many times. And although, you know, some players buy them and of course they're going to, you know, like I have one, I love one. But yeah, I understand you have one, you love one. But mainstay, you know, Fender is going to sell more uh, you know, of its basic stuff. And if you're a manufacturer, why, why wouldn't you want to lean into that? They're like, let me get this straight. People will buy it. If we just spray baby blue paint on it versus putting a flame maple top and, and a bound fretboard. Um, it's just because, like I said, I think it's kind of like, um, you know, a, a Gibson is like a Cadillac and a Fender is like a Chevy truck. And you just don't bling out a Chevy truck the same way, you know, right? Trucks are cooler when you make them look rugged. Strats seem to be cooler. That's why, you know, the beat up strats look cool because it's like a muddy truck. It's just a look, you know what I mean? So that's my my guess to your question would be what I would speculate the answer to be. Um, let's see. Raymond says, is there a Tele style guitar with hot rails, mini humbuckers that have coil split, or is it better to try and find noiseless single coil Tele? Um, I've tried both and the hot rails and the tellies are great, but you don't get the Tele sound. The closest Tele sound I got to noiseless pickups are the ones I'm using, which is the BG 1400s. Um, they're noiseless by Seymour Duncan. I have them in my Tele. It still sounds like a Tele. In fact, if I didn't tell anybody it was noiseless, uh, most players can't tell. It's very Tele sounding. So those are the ones. But I, I've tried the mini humbuckers and the hot rails, and I like them too. And essentially what's great is it's really hard to de-Tele a Tele. And what I mean by that is same as a Strat. Even sticking humbuckers in a Strat, it's hard to not have a Stratty sound. So you can stick whatever you want as pickup wise in the telly and you're still going to get a telly kind of vibe out of the guitar, the, the tone. But if you really want the telly sound, it, you're going to have to go with some kind of uh, stack noiseless tellies if you want noiseless and the telly sound. So, but that's stuff, like I said, we'll be addressing soon when we do the pickup challenges. Uh, Thomas says, what do you think about 12 string guitars? Will you review a couple of them in 2020? Just got my first one, 12 string Hagstrom. Um, 12 string guitars sound fantastic. And I hate tuning them. <laughs> that's, that's that's exactly it. Um, every time I've owned a 12-string guitar, I've done the same silly thing. I picked it up. It was way out of tune. I sat there and tuned it for like five minutes and then played it. And then that experience mentally, when I go to look at it the next time, I go, I don't want to tune it. <laughs> so that's, that's all. Um, but uh, will I be doing more 12-string? I doubt it. I, I mean, to be honest, I just doubt uh, I'll be doing many more 12-string guitars, shootouts. Um, I, 
you know, just, I don't, I don't foresee it happening, but you know, you never know if you guys want it. Uh, I'm up for it. Uh, Robert says, Robert Raymer says a community question, building a tele style, uh, guitar for my, uh, deployed brother. Okay. So he's in the service. I have my own pine body. Now I want a pine neck or should I go warm off, uh, input on the bridge offset saddles and locking tuners. Okay. So to answer your question, um, you're, I would do the warm off neck. I really like warm off necks. Um, you know, I mean, just as an input, you know, if you're looking for a good quality neck, it sounds like, you know, obviously your brother's deployed. You want to do something really cool for him. Don't, don't skimp out on it. Do something really cool. If you're going to build him something cool, you got a cool pine body, um, put a good warm off neck on it where, you know, it's going to stay true and it'll take the abuse and it can, you know, you can take it from place to place. Obviously, uh, the part of being deployed is even when he comes, you know, he's going to be moving when he comes back, he's moving, you know, somewhere, sometimes they move posts or bases, um, the bridge and, and offset saddles and locking tuners, locking tuners easy. I always recommend, uh, one of three Godos, hip shots or ratio tuners. Those are the three I like. I use pretty much every kind of locking tuner, but those are the three I like. I don't buy any other locking tuners besides those three. I physically buy those three. Um, Ratio sends me tuners for Sharp Max, and um, and that's great. Hipshot, I've, I've bought every single Hipshot tuner you've ever seen. And Goto, I've bought every single Goto tuner you've ever seen on the channel. So um, the uh, those are the three I like. So obviously, that's why I use them. Uh, the bridge... Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily have, you know, I mean, you could go crazy and get like a Babkiss bridge or you can do something cool or you could just go with a standard fender style tele bridge. Um, you know I mean? I, I offset saddles. I would go to individual saddles. That's just my preference. Again, I use, uh, you know, I don't have a problem with the three saddle system or the offset saddles, but I prefer the six individual saddles for intonation purposes and control of the guitar. It's better to set the action. It's better to set the intonation. It's just easier to control, especially if you're putting the guitar together. If you're going to put a guitar together, try to have as much movable parts components to fix any kind of problems you might come across. That's just an insight on that. Okay. And then hold on. BB Ninja says, did you miss H Nunes super chat? Let's find out. Thank you, BB Ninja. You're awesome. And I did. H. Nunes says, thoughts on the very limited run of contemporary Telecasters released in 1986. Black. Uh, Francis used one. And I have, and I've only ever seen one on eBay for $1,000. Um, huh. I don't know if I've ever seen them. The contemporary Telecasters. You know, it's funny is, um, this is, this is one of those things, like I said, it just unfortunately can't be versed in everything, but um, I'm not familiar with the guitar at all, not even an 86 release, but to give you a reference of it in 86, I hadn't even started playing guitars. I play, started playing guitars like 89. So that'll give you a reference. This is three years before I even started playing guitars when those released. But that being said, what I will tell you is something that I think is really interesting that Fender's doing. Have you noticed that Fender keeps naming all new products, old product names? And I want to give credit what credit due. The Tone King said this to me and in the off the cuff, just in a passing conversation, one of these events. And I thought it really stuck with me. He said, he said, like they came out with the new uh the the new 65 Deluxe and Twin, and they called them Tone Master, but they used to be a Tone Master amps. And they came out with obviously the contemporary line of squires. The theory is his theory is is that Fender keeps naming all the new products the old products, because when we Google stuff like what you're talking about, new products come up and not old products. 
It's a really interesting theory. The idea is that essentially imagine a company says, okay, anytime anybody Googles anything that we used to make 20 years ago, 50 years ago, 10 years ago, we got to make a new product with that name so that our new product comes up first every time in the search. So it's funny that you mentioned that that was called contemporary because that was one I didn't wasn't aware of that there was a contemporary Fender Telecaster because now there's contemporary Squires which would come up in the search if we searched them first. So that's just a thought. Uh, good marketing, crazy, right? Have you guys noticed that? Have you noticed other companies doing that? That they're literally listing uh, new equipment and and you could say they've always kind of done it, but yeah, but not to this degree. I think at this point Fender has systematically started calling almost everything new. Everything that new keeps coming out has the old name attached to it. And not even it's not even a reissue of the old product. It's totally reimagined product. Obviously, the Tone Master being a digital, uh, you know, 65 Deluxe and Twin is different. So, yeah. So, uh, beer, Bearded Blues Dude says, yeah. He says, yeah, search Fender Starcaster, right? Exactly, right? It's funny. If you think about it, it's really, it's a smart strategy, if companies start saying, okay, anytime we search anything old, literally something new will come up in the search. Um, and it's not hard to figure that out. And more importantly, what he said, which I thought was cool, what TK said that was really started this was, he said, did you notice at first, it wasn't that, that they were doing this. It was whatever was selling for top dollar. In other words, stuff that was highly you know, wanted back in the day, they were just re renaming the new stuff that. So to, it's, yeah. And here's a perfect example. Hailface, and we'll end on this note, says Fender's biggest competition is used Fender. Not only is that a great comment, it's actually factually true. Uh, Fender acknowledges that uh, very much so. Um, in fact, when they went to go public, the New York Times did an article on them. And, and one of the things that the New York Times hit them for was that they literally uh, uh, obsolete themselves. They uh, it's obsolete. They make themselves obsolete every time they make a product because unlike Apple, who makes an iPad that is only good for a few years until the next iPad comes out, Fender makes a Strat. Now every new Strat has to contend with that. And in the article, what I thought was really interesting was the New York Times actually cited, they said, not only is this true that Fender has to compete with little products, Fender's second biggest problem besides competing with their own products is musicians, including guitar players like Eric Clapton and, and their own endorsed musicians are publicly talking about how great their old product is. So not only do you have to can fight your old product, but your own artists who are your paid artists are then referring back to old product as being great. So um, it, it's an interesting thing. So, so to answer your question, uh, H Nunez, I I'm not familiar with the guitar, but I thought that's a great segue to talk about that. At least we can have that good discussion and I'll index that so that at least we can all check out what the, what you're talking about. And, uh, and uh, we'll find out something new. So there you go. And on that note, I'm going to end with two things. First, Max uh, just said, hey, it's my first New Year Live. Uh, I appreciate that you jumped on live. There was 1,006,000 of us. No, there's 930 of us live. Uh, that's fantastic. And uh, I want to thank you guys so much for hanging out with me this Friday. And uh, I don't think I'll put myself in a snowstorm issue next week. So there should be no issues with next week's live show. Next week's live show is going to be about the NAM show. Not so much what we're going to predict what's going in, but what you guys want me to hit while I'm there. And I'm going to show you guys how you can track what I'm doing while I'm there so that you guys uh, can literally, Hey, you guys going to give me the suggestions. I'm going to, we're going to play a little, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, I forget what it's called. 
<laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm not good at playing games. It's, uh, um, you know, where you seek and find things. <laughs> what is wrong with me? Now, we'll end the note on how I can't remember that. Um, so, somebody will probably put it in the comments, hopefully. Um, on that note, I'm going to go ahead and uh, take a drink of water and read this long list of awesome patrons who support this live show. Here we go. Right? F Crew, James Biles, Lawrence Petros, Rob Martha, David Foy, Blake Bean, Derek Miller, Gene Graham, Michael Mooney, Alzdar McLeod, Bruce Collins, Andy Dennis, Gary Phillips, Sam Oram, Chief Squatch, Muse Guitarist, Bob Crosley, Todd Flowers, Tim Farnsworth, Zesty Basil Pizza, Greg Peterson, Dennis Prescott, Craig Parker, Lonnie Hoke, Joseph McCarthy, Anthony Desposito, Brian Stewart, Kermit Jackson, Tim Camacho, Paul Ostrike, Michael Lindner, Jonathan Pickering, Bob Pickwode, Lewis and Alvaro from Pedal Pal Effects, Chris from the Guitar Pit, Jeff Howes, BB Ninja, who we talked about earlier because he caught that mistake for me. Thank you. Zachary Rowe, Justin Mabe, and Jeff Thompson. And I want to thank all of them. There's uh, some newer ones too. I'll make sure you guys are on the list starting next week because I want to appreciate you guys for doing that stuff as well i want to thank all you guys for watching and hanging out this week uh i will see you guys next friday plus there'll be videos of course coming out this week thank you so much for what was one of the biggest live shows uh talk about a great way to start off the year starting off the year with over 900 people is pretty fantastic uh i appreciate you by the way i just remembered it's called a scavenger hunt we're gonna be doing a scavenger hunt at the nam show you guys are gonna tell me what to scavenger and find and i'm gonna show you what you guys asked for we will talk about that. So have that in your uh, head thinking about what you want to see next week so we can create the list. On that note, guys, I want to thank you so much for your time. And until next week, know your gear.